0: What's up my man? Welcome to Everyday Discussions.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to see you again. I've not seen you in ages.
0: No, I haven't seen you since like I haven't seen you in physical person since May 2019, I think.
1: No, I seen you on your birthday the, last year. You came to Aberdeen.
0: Oh, that was that was a messy one. So yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> of course you <laughs> did. <laughs> You want to introduce yourself first, Yeah,
1: no bother. Um, so my name is Cameron. Uh, I met Johan at Aberdeen um, doing business together. We had uh, some, some adventures, to say the least. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I've now just finished my master's in environmental entrepreneurship. And I'm looking for a, a job in that kind of the environmental space. Other than that, I've not got an awful lot of support. Um, I like to hope I can keep up with Johan and uh, what he's got to to say and uh, his brainwaves, because they are certainly uh, elevated. (laughs) But no, uh, it's good. I always enjoy chatting with you, Johan. It's always a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, the pleasure is all mine. And I think I want to go back to the whole environmental entrepreneurship later on. But let's just have a chair, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're sitting here sipping. I mean... Brewdog, which I assume Cheers, yeah. is also your favorite brand or brewery, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Oh, uh, well, absolutely. Well, I mean, for the memories of you and I going to the local Brewdog uh, for one thing, but the clash beer as well, um, and the fact you know, I'm not sure if, if you've seen much of it. But obviously, they're carbon neutral now, so I feel like I'm saving the environment by drinking beer, which you know is right up my alley so uh, I'm, I'm i'm doing it i'm doing it for myself i'm doing it for the environment
0: <laughs> i mean that's uh that's some corporate social responsibility and yeah and uh there's pleasure right there i would say
1: yeah exactly well i tell you there is what they are. Uh,
0: sorry no no keep going
1: Yeah, no, I think, see, BrewDog are the one company that have got it absolutely nailed down um, with regard to their CSR stuff. I think, you know, I, I watch them, I see them on LinkedIn, and I follow them. It's like somewhere where like like it as well, like eventually at some point. um, But, you know, so I, I keep up to date with what they're doing. And every time I see um, the kind of CEO putting stuff up, I'm like, that's the right call. That's the right call. That's the right call. Particularly with the environmental side, you know, coming from where, and I've got quite like a, a good understanding of it. Having I mean, done my masters in that space, he's just he's knocking out the park. I think, you know, it, they have their like their missteps, like the half meat, half plant-based, which I thought was a good idea first, wasn't received very well, um, and then the fact that a massive forest offset of the carbon and they're powering it all by wind, you know. They're really they they're setting a great example for the rest of the world's kind of brewing and distilling industry that needs to be doing. I yeah, think, but I think sorry, though, I interrupted you.
0: No, dude, you can interrupt me as much as you want. There's there's no limits there. Uh, yeah, but I think yeah, I think you were spot on there with the brudo because I always felt brudo was always on top of things, regardless of if it's with the environment or whether it is. I mean, just take this like crowdfunding initiative they had. So essentially, mm-hmm. so if you buy two BrewDog shares, I think that's the minimum. It does a minimum buy in, you get a loyalty card. So that's a 5% off discount on like BrewDog products and also in their bars. And I think the whole like loyalty ladder goes up to, I, I don't know how many shares, but you know, there's different sort of uh, deals depending on how many shares you buy. But I mean, people thought, I think in the beginning that they actually purchase a share on the a listed share on the stock market, but it's essentially as a crowdfund. <laughs> so people be like, yeah, you know, I love this beer and oh, the great, it's such a great environment. You know, I just going to give this guy some money, <laughs> because I, some additional money because the beer and the food is just so good. <laughs> I mean, obviously, and I, if I'm not mistaken, obviously, and I don't have anyone sitting behind me to fact-check this, but I do think that BrewDog has launched the most successful crowdfunding schemes in the entire world, by far, in terms of like uh, monetary.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Uh, initiative.
1: Yeah, the, the most successful, the biggest,
0: but I'd say it
1: was a bit devious. They called it punk equity and, you know, equity is synonymous with, you know, inv- investing in a company. You were, you were investing in the company, but you were getting nothing real in terms, other than a discount, other than the, but, uh, you bought that and thought that's what you were getting. Because I mean, it's all there. It's all written, written out.
0: Yeah, I, know. I mean, they had the whole prospectus, but to be fair, how many people actually go through this prospectus to see what it actually mean? So yeah, I guess in a way it was a bit devious, but it was also quite brilliant at the same time because people did pump in money to for Brudo to invest and obviously build more breweries, mm-hmm. take the brand global.
1: And they've done an amazing job at it as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think they've done anything wrong. Uh, I can see why people would say that. But as I say, they, I think they've given more uh, back to the world. Um, form of a great beer but b in terms of setting the standard as I've mentioned for their CSR Um, so ultimately if people are investing they're only 25 pounds of stock now if you if you're one of those people that invested thousands of pounds thinking you were buying it you know ultimately you need to you need to have more sense because those people did have more money than sense Um, they were an outlier obviously but I mean, you've really got to, if you're going to invest more than 50 quid in something, you've got to really look at what you're buying, making sure that it's the right thing. And those people just clearly didn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right though. You But there's so, much, there's so much information you need to know nowadays as a person. Because like, yes, yeah, coming back to Sweden, right? And you start working and you realize, oh, I need this insurance. Oh, I need this uh sort of membership in order to become part of the Ferdo scheme. Oh, I need this additional insurance to guarantee so and so much of my income. If I were to lose my job, this is an endless amount of information you need to know nowadays. But uh, but 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 aside from that, though, I mean, yeah, if you if you purchase Brewdog equities for thousands of pounds, I guess you should sort of have a clue of what you are (laughs) buying. Yeah.
1: You know, like, right? Yeah, no. What I mean, like, if you're gonna, when was the last time you spent money on something? And I mean, I can't think of a time where I spent more than a hundred pounds, and I'm not research making sure I'm getting a good deal there. Now, maybe that's just because I'm Scottish, and you know, we're a bit tight with our money. But um, I think, you know, if you are gonna be spending any kind of money, you've got to really make sure that is the kind of that you're doing it right. I have no sympathy for them. That's basically what I'm trying to say. But what were you saying? You were going to go on a <laughs> you going to go on a tangent there.
0: <laughs> no, I was just going to say that. I mean, Brewdog has given me so much. They've given me amazing experiences inside the bars. They've been giving me, I mean, an endless array of fantastic beer, and they've been giving me countless of hangovers. So I'm pretty pleased <laughs> with Brewdog. <laughs> yeah. A million percent.
1: I think that was a really, like I loved those. Obviously, when we lived together uh, last year, going to, to dog, you know, at the end of a, a tough day or at the end of a tough week, I loved that. That was amazing. You know, we had a, um, uh, what was it, burger, uh, buffalo burger, Hazy Jane, and just loving life. And just we would go into, like, conversations much like this where we right the wrongs of the world. Um, yeah. Happy memories and whenever I've gone since you know, I've never had a bad experience there.
0: Yeah, no, like I don't really like to label myself as a fanboy or a man of loyalty towards a consumer brand or any brand really. But man, <laughs> Brewdog, I'm I'm a diehard believer. <laughs> and bear in mind if you guys are listening to this, we don't we don't receive any endorsements whatsoever from Brewdog for just saying this. This is just purely out of fan boyhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But hopefully, if, if you keep speaking about it, maybe they will start sponsoring your, uh, your podcast. That'd be ideal. Speaking of your podcast, what, what, what was the inspiration for you to do this?
0: My inspiration for the podcast? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think essentially, one of the, I mean, one of the biggest things was that i needed to get off my ass and actually start creating something or produce something i mean you know it's so easy to get stuck in your head right and you have like you read so many books and you think about doing all these things but then i realized okay i love speaking to people but i also need to feel like i'm actually am i do am a doer so i, just, I think i like put those two things together and i realized that I think podcast is a pretty easy outlet to, to begin with, to just start getting your creative vein and creative mind out there, and do something that I thirdly enjoy, which is talking shit with my pals. Or, <laughs> they don't have, it doesn't have to be my pals, but just people in general. So that was the begin. That was the, like the beginning initiative of it all. And then yeah, we'll see where 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 it takes me. Who knows?
1: <laughs> Who've you had on so far?
0: Uh, I've had Eddie, uh, Constantine, and Robert. And what were the highlights from those? The highlights. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just to have a conversation. I mean, yeah, you know, I think it's good to have some sort of ideas what you want to talk about in a podcast. But obviously, these guys are my mates, right? So I knew that I didn't need a, a complete script because the conversation would just be organic. So I think, the, I think the highlights was just to have an organic conversations with cool people and that these people sort of, oh, like just explore the different topics together. Without a predestined
1: destination, and then it was really interesting, or that you you didn't that you would want it to, to have gone into more detail, but you didn't have time to, or stuff like that. Uh,
0: you know, it's, it's such a, a such a beginner state. This, right? I mean, I'm just only done a few episodes, and for me, it's just it's just trial and error and learning and having fun and just get used to talking to a mic to like actually get used to edit podcast, get used to talking to your friends, but trying to be authentic while not just go off the rails completely and just, you know, talk about nothing to have some sort of structure, but still be authentic. And that's a very interesting combination that I'd never really, I think, been thinking about before so it's also not very much a a mind practice to sort of stay within the perimeter of a flow potentially what you could say and without going too much on a tantrum on either side but I mean you probably see me in like 10 episodes just being completely like wow <laughs> that, that probably happened
1: oh yeah, and I, I never heard that i heard you after flow and then you cut out
0: yeah no i feel like uh, this podcast i feel like this particular episode i think my internet connection is a bit iffy so i think we're going on and off all the time
1: yeah um do you know what I, what i'm doing at the moment, i'm not sure how much data you've got but i've connected to my hotspot on my phone and that might be better i'm not sure how much data you've got but it might be a little bit faster than your internet.
0: Uh, are you, are you, so you're connected on your hotspot now?
1: Yeah. And that's maybe about 20 gigabytes a second. So I'm not sure how fast yours is. Kind of seems to be enough, usually, for these kind of
0: things. Uh, yeah, no, I think my... I think my connection is a bit unstable, to be fair.
1: Hmm. As, I say, like, as I say, if you try, do you have, do you have unlimited data on your phone, or if you got no, like I, loads of data? No, because you...
0: no, I don't. Ah, uh, that's a shame. To be fair,
1: because that's why I've been because when I when I first came here, obviously I'm still, but like as you know, I'm staying at my my partner's um, house with her family. Um, so like when I first came here, there was I think six of us on the same internet. We're out in the country, so it wasn't that great. It's so when I was doing Zoom calls and stuff for uni, um, then it was the hotspot was the best way forward because that that kept everything up to date and kept it going.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure why my internet is so poor at the moment because I have a new router and everything, so it should be much more stable. But anyway, it is for this.
1: It, it might just be the time of night. Obviously, yeah, it is what it is. We'll we'll, power, we'll persist on. We'll power on.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of editing in this podcast. I can, I can already feel it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why I'm cutting you off because I think there's like a five second delay. So then, like, you'll start a, a thing, and then I'll start a thing, and we'll kind of cut off each other, which is it's not great, as you say, for the, the kind of maybe keeping things organic. But as I say you you can edit out and make it seem a bit more
0: uh, fluid I mean, than it is. I mean, it is for this, right? I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, I mean, it's just a fun thing to do. I'm still producing something here, so whatever, right? Exactly. So I mean, I think we, maybe we should segue. Yeah, no, I think I definitely think there's a delay, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, segue sounds good.
0: <laughs> okay, so we're gonna I'm gonna try to segue here and see if the delay is still there or not. So, okay, you were talking about entre- uh, environmental entrepreneurship and you obviously mentioned brudo to be a carbon neutral company as well is that correct
1: carbon negative so they're actually taking more carbon out the environment through their plant in the forest than
0: they're producing Mm. amazing Uh, so how this okay first off i'm just going to claim complete ignorance in terms of the environmental catastrophe that people say we're embarking on. I'm not denying it. I just don't know much about the environment at all. I'm not denying that we probably have some sort of uh, climate change and that, that it's severely impacting this world negatively. I'm just saying that I don't know much about it. So I'm glad you're here, Cameron, because now you can enlighten me a little bit.
1: Um. So within the the whole scope of it is, and I think a lot of my kind of work, uh, individual work has been about the adoption of it and how to get people to engage with uh, climate change products or sustainable products or environmentally friendly products. And the the, kind of idea of it is that a lot of people are in the same position that you're in and they don't really know wholly what the thing is. And then there's loads of conflicting information, particularly when you look at America, who have really politicized the issue more so than a lot of places i know it's politicized generally everywhere but america in particular that is a kind of a place of news for loads loads of people and a place of kind of uh of of fact because it is like you know the first world country if you want but ultimately the the thing is is that it is an incredibly complex phenomenon there is no there's no one solution there's no one answer and there's also no one culprit you know humans have huge impact on it Um, and ultimately that's the thing that you know i'm trying to help mitigate because it's easier than other things and it is arguably um a much larger impact than other things but there's also that this idea of um cause and effect that we don't understand and nobody really understands it because you know i mean the best example i can say is that Polar bears at the start of the millennium were the, the champ, not champion, but they were the the, uh, the thing that we need to save at the start of the millennium because of climate change. And everyone's worried about the polar bears because when the ice um, can recede, they won't have their hunting ground and they'll all die off. And it's, oh, that's scary, blah, blah. blah. And the ice is receding, as everyone knows. Um, but the polar bear numbers are actually going up. Now, what people on the uh, side that are climate. Um, sceptics, I I, I don't like to use the word climate denier because that's a bit uh, derogatory and um, for whatever reason, but um, the climate sceptics point out that, you know, well then how is this happening if polar bear numbers are going up, this just proves they're wrong. Now what's caused that is the fact that um, hunting is so very regulated in the North Pole. Now that was the major killer of polar bears. So, yes, the ice melting away is still going to be a really have horrific damage in that. But it was poorly reported, and it was saying that was the major reason for all these animals dying. When in actuality, it was the hunters. Now you've got less hunting, but more um, ice melting. So it's kind of yes, the numbers are rising, but more polar bears are dying because they've not got that hunting ground. So it's when you focus on that singular issue, or st- Singular thing and a say cause, that's when you have an issue. And that's when people start saying, throwing in spanners and saying, and muddying the water because it becomes so easy to do and saying, well, it can't be real because what they've said here is is clearly not applicable. So and I know I'm rambling a little bit here, but uh, it is a case of, you know, it's so complex and we need to focus on, you know, it both as a broad picture and as a singular issue in multiple different areas so waste for example is often piled in the same thing as like you know kind of atmospheric uh, climate change now waste actually hasn't got much to do with climate change it's just pollution but they're thrown in together and ultimately they are very similar because they fall under the branch of um, sustainability Um, so you've got people that are fighting for climate change, and and also, but say by saying we need to stop climate change, let's ban plastic drinking straws. They're not linked at all, um, and it is—it's frustrating. It's confusing. It's confusing for me, and I've studied it in depth, um, both academically and in my pastime. So, I mean, I feel sorry, <laughs> basically, for everyone. Um, who's trying to get a grasp of it? but basically what i would say to you is just try and live your life with this minimal impact and that is something that can't be disputed with regards to climate change is that humans do impact the world around them and it should be minimized so that's the kind of thing a big long ramble there what i would like to finish on is like that and it can't be disputed is that we pollute the air and we pollute the water around us and bringing that back Um, can only help with the climate change issue.
0: So in a way though, I mean because obviously if the only news you receive on the matter is from established news, I mean media houses, you won't get the whole picture right and obviously they will they will put out the scare the scarce topic so for people to be like, oh my god, something is really going off with the polar bears. But then you might have a, a competing media house or newspaper on a different political spectrum saying, but look here, the polar bears are actually, the population is increasing. And then obviously everyone gets gets really confused, right? And like you said, it's such a holistic sort of, it's so mm-hmm. big, it's so holistic. And maybe it's really, it's very hard to even grip because it's just, it's about our the world, right? The atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I mean I have a hard time to fathom it to be fair. But so what's the so what is the issue then? I mean obviously we yeah we are polluting it. But would you say the issue is that countries are not working together or that some countries are doing something and some countries are doing other things. So what's really like the whole sort of issue there?
1: Um I think it's actually to not an issue per se with countries because a lot of the, the initiatives that um, the green movement or um, people that are supporting um, more sustainable practices I wanted to bring in, the majority of them, particularly the bigger ones, benefit individual countries as well as the world. Um, the best example would be renewable energy. Now, if you look at that, now, okay, has its flaws and stuff, but I'd look at a country like sweden we look at a country like the uk uh look at countries that aren't massive massive oil producers then um having your independence in the form of energy just makes sense it it just makes sense to, to be able to produce your own electricity not having to import it it just makes sense because um and now more than ever, because it is cheaper. A lot of solar power is cheaper than uh, oil and gas and much, much cheaper than coal. And offshore and onshore wind are about the same cost coming down every year. Um, So if you can produce energy that's, um, that's cheaper on your own soil that no one can cut off when they decide that they don't like you anymore. That makes sense. And then you put the added benefit that there's no longer emissions. So that is when, you know, you don't need to argue about a lot of these kind of issues from an environmentalist perspective because they just make sense. They do, but the problem, therefore, is people's inability and uh, being scared of change. But when I wouldn't say I said the people, I would say more, the kind of the the, bit, the hold that oil companies do have over the general population, or rather the, the decision makers in populations, to you know, say, well, no, you do need this. It's cheaper, not true. It's easier sometimes, but often not, particularly for distributed energy. You can put renewable just about anywhere. You don't need to ship it across the world. Um, So yeah, I do think the biggest problem is just the fact that some places are stagnant. I do believe people are willing to change, but the hold and the sheer money and the sheer amount of money that the invested interests have, and I think that stops a lot of progress in the right direction.
0: But obviously, there's going to be a lot of money in, for example, clean tech, right? Just look at Vestas, the Danish uh, wind turbine producer. I mean, they are a gigantic company, and if you invested in Vestas stocks like some six, seven years ago, I mean, like the the increase in percentage that stock has seen in the last like five, six years is just tremendous. And you have so many companies coming out of Sweden, which are really promising. I mean. I don't fully know about climate change, but I do keep track on some of the clean tech companies because there is money to, to be earned if you hit the jackpot. That's
1: of dollars you're talking about. But when you're looking at oil, it's trillions, and ultimately the thing is when you're looking at clean energy alone, it's easier to tax oil and gas, and particularly with the clean, uh, the green movements coming on, you can you can tax, um, fossil fuels through the roof and no one really bats an eyelid anymore. That's a difficult expenditure for the government way. Um, but you're right, you know, and it's, a, it's incredibly promising. You've got Festash, you've got, you know, you've got um, Nordex, Orsted, you've got, and Orsted are a great example. They were an oil and gas company for the longest time. Danish again, I think. Oil and gas transitioned like in the space of 10 years and are still incredibly, incredibly like, successful producing the majority of offshore wind in the UK. Uh, the, they are the biggest offshore wind producer in the world. So, you know, it is it's people's not... people, the Oil and gas companies could transition overnight. They've got the money, they've got the capital, they don't want to. I don't know why, but they don't want to. And you've seen that with oil and gas companies that have done it and are moving towards are being incredibly, incredibly successful. Oil will always need to be extracted, unfortunately, because it's so um, paramount to our daily life in the form of plastics, paints, if you look at anything around you, the oil and gas industry do have an input there. I just don't think it needs to be burned anymore. I think we're kind we're almost past that.
0: But would you say that instead of facing a demise, the oil and gas companies will keep succeeding due to the... Whole like the whole like you said like the whole production of plastic and stuff which requires oil. I hope so. But ultimately,
1: sorry. Ultimately, I hope so because you know plastic is an incredible material. Um It is. It like one use plastic. Obviously, you don't want you don't want, you want that out of the system. You want to design that out of the system. But I mean, half of my pla half the, half of the computer I'm using right now is made out of plastic the paint around me is come from oil um every almost everything you touch day to day has got an oil element in it and a plastic element to it so of course and like that i think reinforces the point of why the hell are we burning it this is a finite resource that does so much for the world it's going to run out why are we wasting it when we've got better alternatives
0: that's a very good point i mean i guess there's just so many things that you see that you don't understand right and maybe you're not supposed to understand it either so i think about plastic though and again how i mean if we are going to keep using plastic do you think we're going to keep using plastic for a long time or do you think there's going to be a material that can substitute plastic in the foreseeable future
1: Um, I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a chemist at the end of the day, so I, I I'm not I don't I don't really know. I can't see a product, but then again, people before the world of plastic can have ever envisioned plastic. So I'm sure there will be something. Will it require fossil fuel still or uh, oils? And um, I don't know. Will it be better? I don't know. It's amazing what we can do. I mean, meat—you can make you can make a steak now um, in a laboratory that is, for all intents and meat, but it's not come from a cow. So I do think at some point it, there will be something that's better. But ultimately, everything has a has a an upside and a downside. So yeah, okay, you can you can stop the extraction of oil from the earth's crust. Good thing. Um, but what is what will this new product do that maybe has unforeseeable uh, consequences? Unfortunately, there's very few um, things in life that give a lot that don't also take a lot. That's just uh, that's just about uh, just life that
0: yeah, that was a beautiful point though There's not a lot of things in life that gives a lot that doesn't take a lot. Hmm. never thought about it that way. Well put, my man, but I mean, so if we're going to keep using plastic, right? How will we combat the fact that there's so much plastic entering like the nature, right? And like the oceans and isn't that a threat to the climate as well, or is that just a threat to the biodiversity?
1: So it's 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 a threat to the natural environment, but, you know, ultimately as living creatures you are going to affect the world around you and that's just inevitable now that you know a great example of it happening in the natural world is by reintroducing i believe it was wolves into yosemite valley could be wrong it altered the course of a river because there was um, more trees growing by the riverside so the the base of the course of the river changed point being that natural uh, elements as natural actors within an environment you are always going to impact the world around you with regarding plastic how do you re- reduce your impact i think that's the kind of key for the sustainability movement it's just you know making things that um, a are designed to last and plastic the biggest downside of it is it lasts forever it lasts in a system like for thousands of years that's also its biggest strength so you can design something with plastic will last forever and ever and ever or at least for multiple human lifetimes before it needs to be you know kind of really thrown away and then at that point as well you can also make things modular or uh, so that you can add things to it to increase its like viability and then the bits that you're taking away from that modular system go away get recycled get refurbished and then are put back into the system that is kind of a, that latter element is what is known as the kind of circular economy, where you design waste out of the, out of the system. So um, there's a company in Glasgow that's uh, got a lot of uh, hype at the minute because they use a lot of the bakeries leftover rolls, it's going to that's not plastic, to make beer um, with white products. So that's your um, kitchen appliances, so your fish washers. Um, you've basically just taken, making all the parts of that modular so they're, they're easier to, re- to fix and replace, and they can just be refurbished. And it's just about whatever you are getting from nature, whatever you are building, nothing is efficient, unfortunately. So, 10% waste. And that is, you know, when you're washing your clothes and there's like microfibers come off, that's inevitable. And that is what I'm talking about at the start when, as being a natural, actor in the world you are going to impact the planet and that's just an unfortunate consequence of being alive um but also what's beautiful about life you don't want to about being human you're aware of it you want to make an impact you can make it positive but you know as as i said earlier there's nothing that gives the making so you can have a a amazing impact but no one's perfect you're probably going to to leave a trail of bread behind you which are going to cause some trouble but it is just about realizing you know there are the ways to do it and easier ways to exist that aren't so negative
0: so what can a little person do then to leave his or her positive impact
1: i mean ultimately you know i think it is just a change in mindset. I think there are people that are much more that want people to stop flying, to stop consuming, to stop, to um, stop life as much. I I personally don't believe that's the answer. I, I don't think that is sustainable because when people are miserable, they can't get involved in a cause. They can't a cause. They can't be happy with the cause. So. What, um, as as I said, to start, there's no really one answer, but what I would suggest is just seeking for that better alternative way, seeking for ways to, you know, that you know might um, have less of a negative impact. For example, you know, now you don't you don't need to eat meat as much because there are some amazing meat alternatives. What's the negative impact to them? Maybe they're not as healthy for you, but they taste the same. So there's a, a compromise there, but you know, you're not doing as much damage to the planet. With regards to your waste, you know, it is, you know, not fast fashion, for example, should just be gone, banned. There's no good end to that. You're getting cheap clothes that are made in sweatshops that last for about three days and that then end up, uh, uh uh and it's horrific stuff like that needs to be wasted system uh, buying um what like waste free i'm not in asda in england i've now rolled out a big scheme you can bring your own containers so there's layer um buying uh kind of technology that will be coming through in the next five ten years but that is modular so like your phone you know obviously so we have got this here that we camera bit, you know, that's like that when it came out two years ago was a class camera. It's no longer the best, but I want it to have a good. So I take that out, they refurbish the glass, they do all the stuff with it, the useful bits inside of it. But in the meantime, I get one, put same new battery that I can stick in it, and um, you know, stuff like that. So I think in terms of what can the actual individual do, you don't, I don't, don't, don't sacrifice your life, but make small changes, eat less meat. Um, do if you can shop less weight bring your own bags to the shop is such a small simple thing turn lights off when you're not in the room buy energy shaving light bulbs and when you do see that environmentally friendly product this is what i'd say the, the bulk of the individual's power comes when you see those individual things in the shops buy them and They might be an extra pound and it's a little bit odd or unusual but that's it's almost got the same power of, of voting, or maybe even more so because you're giving that someone money, you're showing their confidence, and then when you're going to shops, your Tesco's, your Sainsbury's, or whatever the Swedish equivalents are, they're going, Oh, this is um, this is being more moves to have more of this in there, and those environmentally friendly companies are then much more successful, which is really interesting. and I think that is another way that an, an individual can help.
0: so putting your money to companies and products that deserves it essentially and obviously make conscious choices when you're when you're at home or when you go to the shop as you I, I said mm-hmm. yeah it makes sense though so uh what did you learn during your masters then um about all of this
1: so the great thing about the masters for me was that it was a personal passion anyway so um i think it didn't necessarily teach me any new information that's jumping straight but it did um for me it gave me a new perspective it was a great lecture and i remember going into it it was um, it was part of the mechanical engineering school black or white yes no the guys in my course which are all like massive environmentalists all that kind of stuff as you'd imagine and he basically like he he was telling us all the good things about fossil fuels and there certainly are some amazing amazing things about fossil fuels for example you know when you, uh run out electricity generation in africa that maybe can't afford the solar panels, or for pika plants and Told us the, the kind of downsides of renewable energy, you know. Uh, I think of the duck curve, which basically says during peak demand, uh, peak demand, renewables will struggle without proper storage to meet the peak demand. So it was, it, it gave me uh, uh, maybe as, as much as it probably gave me more urgency about it, it made me realize that if you rush into something with a half baked idea, it's gonna, you're going to cause more damage. So it's maybe better to um, to wait until the technology is more developed, is, is more refined, and give people the time to make their own decisions and come to it. Like, yes, it's a really, really big problem, but any decision problem that's rushed, you're only putting it back maybe a year for it to be a bigger problem best analogy that I can give is when you're hungover and you do hair of the dog, you're just, you're just putting off the inevitable. Yeah, it's helping in that moment. Yeah, you're getting over that hangover in that moment, <laughs> but the hangover the next day, oh my God, it's going to be so much worse. So it's just a case. Deep breath, be passionate about it. That's good. Look for the solutions. That's good. Otherwise you're just, so that's probably the thing I would say not more than anything else.
0: And just to clarify, how the dog is when you essentially, when you wake up the day after, you're feeling terrible and you just have a new drink in order to cure the hangover, <laughs> essentially postponing it.
1: I don't know where the saying comes from, but. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah maybe some dude actually, I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird one. How do you think that, that came to be, the next expression?
1: I think it came uh, an ancient thing that if you were bitten by a dog to avoid getting rabies you would take the hair of the dog and drink it. You put it in like some water or whatever and that would supposedly as an old wives tale would get rid of the rabies or whatever. So I think that's where it comes from.
0: Or just very good at freestyling, coming up with quick concepts in your head. (laughs) Good one anyway. Uh, So going back to what you just said before the whole hair of the dog thing. So when decisions are rushed, and I think you can see that, I mean, with some countries shutting down their nuclear reactors without having established alternatives in place, instead of ending up buying, quote unquote, dirty energy from other countries, which are essentially producing the energy with coal, right? I know that much. Mm -hmm. And I know that have happened in Sweden. And I know that have happened in other countries as well. And that's obviously a pretty rushed political decision that didn't turn out very well in the end.
1: Yeah. um, So I mean, the major culprit for that is Germany uh, after the Fukushima disaster. they decided just to take it was too dangerous uh, and it had a really bad rap in the environmental circles which it, to this day it still does and having lived with you you have a massive proponent for its consequences and hopefully an incredible way to generate energy cleanly it is however dangerous and that's just the part of the, but if you look at the kind of the it causes compared to the fossil fuel industry think per megawatt or per gigawatt it's one day versus you know hundreds for the oil and gas industry burning these fossil fuels because you know yeah it's radioactive but it's it's contained and it's regulated very to a very very high degree whereas when you burn fossil fuels that's just particular matter straight into the air and that's if you see in maybe the simpsons or whatever where they've got that nuclear power and it's got the smoke building right that's not actually smoke that's water vapor and it's clean water vapor um because it, it is a case of it's just basically cooling up the, the reactors not actually coming in contact with the radioactive elements um and it, I, I think I, I maybe did this kind of whole test with you before or i've certainly done it with other people where i say can you name the top three environmental disasters? Everyone goes Fukushima, Chernobyl, and, 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 and it's Three Mile Island in which nobody died. It was basically a big scare. And there's some other few nuclear bits here and there that people will scream and shout about, but ultimately it has attributed to far fewer deaths than anywhere else. And there are reasons why it maybe is a little bit more dangerous than, than anything else, but ultimately again, coming into this rush of uh, decisions and uh, not understanding the full uh, consequences of it is that in Germany, they had a target to be 2020. They wanted, I can't remember the exact figure, but let's call it 50% renewables and then uh, the rest and non-renewable sources. Um, They were way on track to get that. They were smashing the records, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, up until 2011, I believe. And they're like, nope, we need to phase out nuclear. And they basically, and at that time, nuclear made up about 15%, I think, of their energy. And they've cut it down to maybe about 3 or 4% now. If they had kept that, they would be where they needed to be. And instead, they brought coal back in. Obviously, coal is horrific, and they've uh, lied on uh, Nord Stream 1 and 2. Yeah, I do think that, as I say, In my course you had environmentalists said that are really smart, smart people. And you know, you know what I'm like, I like to to throw a probing question in there and then again. I ask them what do you think of nuclear power? Oh, I hate it, I hate it. So so bad, so so bad, blah blah blah. And then when you ask them why, they they give you very but like kind of variable reasons. And then you explain to them, you know, the really good things about nuclear power and why it's probably the cleanest and most viable energy source of the clean alternatives at the moment is kind of the most reliable let's just believe it that most reliable and then they start coming around and they understand okay well maybe i'm wrong and that was another good thing about the um the masters is it did tell you maybe you're not right all the time and you do need to kind of broaden your horizons and make sure that you are look at people that are saying you're wrong and see if they've got anything decent to say because maybe they do maybe they've got maybe they've got a really good point
0: yeah but you do like to play devil's advocate as well though i know that (laughs) so that was a very interesting uh, story about the like the nuclear energy and i think unfortunately my internet connection is a bit unstable so i might have to cut a few lags here and there so maybe we don't catch all of it but could you just quickly go back to the idea of are you for or against nuclear
1: so quick synopsis i'm for i'm i'm for nuclear power why am i for nuclear power because it doesn't a thing in the production of it there's a little bit in the kind of decommissioning side of it and the concrete that goes into building it but in the actual running of the uh, power plant it is completely clean environmental standards it does have nuclear waste which is toxic mm. and hazardous um, but is stored and regulated and has fewer deaths than anything a much uh, smaller uh, environmental impact than any other energy source that including solar wind Is a little bit better, but, um, well, it is better than um, nuclear, but it is more reliable because you can turn it on and when you want it on, it will be on, whereas it's not as variable as solar or wind. So, for me, at the moment, until storage of energy comes in, it is 100% necessary and
0: um, important. But, I mean... If that is correct, it just goes to show that, for example, a country like Germany rushed things and they didn't assemble a group of enough engineers and experts with different opinions to go through all the opinion, expert opinions before they took a decision. They feel like they must have rushed it like so heavily to just dismantle it.
1: It wasn't a decision that was done out of education. It was a it was a decision that was made out of fear and public opinion. And you know, that isn't to take anything away from the German public because, ultimately, you know, the information they were given and the way they see it and the way that Nicholas portrayed, in a lot of kind of media and stuff like that, it's a scary thing and it's something that, you know, isn't as simple a concept as you burn it, it boils water, it turns a turbine. It's nuclear physics. You know, you need to be a nuclear physicist, and that's the same kind of same kind of realm. very, well, I mean, same or very similar elements that are used in nuclear bombs. Very scary. You know, you, you spent 40, 50 years during the Cold War era being petrified of these bombs that might just be dropped any minute. So, you know, it's right to be scared of it because it is an incredibly powerful thing. You know, but at, at the same time, you know it's incredibly powerful yes but that is also its strength because it's so powerful it can generate huge amounts of energy so it wasn't a rational decision it was an emotive one and you can't ever uh, criticize anyone for being emotive because a sometimes and often emotions do supersede rationality but b when you're scared you just want to protect the people you love and the people you care about it is Approaching those people and when they're scared in a clean, uh, not clean, in a calm manner, and saying, "Listen, I get it, but you don't need to be scared." And here's why. So I think that was the, the biggest failing from the German, um, heart the German kind of parliament when they came to making this decision it wasn't necessarily a decision of itself because they they're a democracy, so they made the decision on behalf of what the public wanted. So fair dues the failing was um, not saying to the public, well, listen, we get it, you're scared. Maybe here's a little bit more information. Tell us what you think after that. And then maybe give them enough time to digest rather than fuck what's happened in Japan. That's so bad. Yeah, cut it all off.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think that goes for pretty much any government. They don't really give the whole picture to the public in order for the public to digest and take a breather and then together the public and the the politicians can make rational and sound decisions together i I just don't see it anywhere to be fair (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: if i'm honest and this is a bit conspiracy theory i think the russians have a lot to do with the the kind of turning off the nuclear powers because they are—they give a ton of gas to Germany every year, and you, you don't know. I mean, like, if you—if you had told someone ten years ago that the Russians were meddling in the in elections, you would have been—you would have been told conspiracy theorists. No, it's proof So that, I mean, that's not. So to say that they've not got a, a vested interest, you know, obviously their gas network is nationalized, so of course they've got a vested interest in ensuring in that. So. I would say, I, I'd be very surprised if they we weren't paying off officials to do that and whether or not the German people are actually that scared of New York, I don't know. I've got a few German friends, whenever I speak to them, they're just like, oh, I don't really know, like, um, I wouldn't have voted against it, but I, I wouldn't have voted for it. So if that's the way that kind of everyone's going for it, then fine. But I would, would have hoped to have, if that was the case, it was maybe a, a much more democratic decision than you would be hearing people saying, that was the best decision ever and you're not really hearing a lot of that obviously not german obviously i'm not i'm not listening to German news I'm a bit just because i don't speak german um but yeah i, I, I see a little bit of a disconnect there it, it does seem a bit emotive but you can never tell there's certainly higher par- the higher higher powers somewhere at play in that decision it's who they were i don't know
0: yeah i guess we might never know or something will implode and then they will like hang one guy out for slaughter <laughs> in like a furious time and then they will just put the lid on and that's it <laughs> and then everyone everyone just move on with the knives
1: <laughs> well I, the russians will get away with everything it, it, to be honest and, and i i don't know how, uh, this anyway we're going into russia now so putting their seat belts. But um, they get away with everything. I mean, if you look at what they did to the Olympics, the the fact that they've been caught out meddling in a US election, what they've kind of been doing in like Syria and stuff for years, not to say that the Americans are any better, but, you know, killing, you know, spies and stuff in Britain, you had that like kind of guy that was killed with radioactive, uh, radioactive material. That's happened two or three times in the UK, you know, it's nuts, it's nuts that they can do all this, it's kind of, it's proven that they've done it, and they're just, yeah, do you know what, like Putin, don't do that again, like we'd rather you didn't, come on, and it's like, how do they get away with that?
0: yeah there is some yeah there is just so much the little little folks like us can't comprehend right about the state of the world and what's going on and what what drives certain decisions and why certain people are in the positions they are it's just just mad you just look at it and like really like how how come that happened or how come you got away with that or how come you are allowed to sit there and say this when everyone knows it's completely bollocks
1: The mind boggles, isn't it? <laughs> What's that the mind boggles? How do how do they like that? It's totally unfair, but I guess I just laughed.
0: I mean, it is unfair, and I think I, I can get really mad about certain things. Obviously, especially people at power. I think it's quite easy to get pissed off at people in power because. Yeah, no, their job is not very easy, and so and so. But I think a lot of the decisions they make is not for the benefit of the wider society. It's not just—it's just not. That's just a fact. You can see it. And but what I was getting to—if you flip it and try to reframe it and try to be sort of diplomatic about the whole ordeal—yeah, it's just—it's just the way it is, and. And it's just too much for me to comprehend so i might just like you know stick to my own little part of the world and like tend to my own garden and just get on with life and and realize there are big dragons out there big dragons i will never see and big dragons i will never slay like there's the something
1: hobbits. to be said for that yeah <laughs> there's something to be said for that it's like you know it's picking your battles i guess and it's like is it worth your happiness is it is it worth investing in something that you can't control but also sometimes it is sometimes it isn't and it do you if you have the power and if you do believe you have the power to change these things that you, you feel are unjust then i think you should and you know there is that that's you know that, that way of looking you know every alone someone can't really change something but together you can make a lot of change really quickly and there is an element of that that I do definitely believe but I also think that just voicing your discontent is enough sometimes to make people a little bit uneasy and you've seen that in a lot of kind of movements recently in a lot of the way things are getting done and you know I mean for example you're just talking about leaders there and maybe not having the best interest of the people at heart and now She's not perfect by any means, but Nicola Sturgeon, the leader of Scotland, I do believe cares about the Scottish people. And I do believe has, um, d- does carry that weight and with and responsibility earnestly and, and with a lot of deep thought. She was speaking earlier today and was criticized by a, a leader for, um, for not, uh, for kind of disregarding what happened with the care homes, which happened all over the world with coronavirus, and um, saying that she just didn't care and she just kind of swooped under the rug, and she she spoke and it, I, I got the impression she could be an incredibly good actor, but I got the impression that she was speaking from the heart, and she's like I carry that I that is something that will stay with me for the rest of my life and that I maybe and she she straight up said you know maybe I don't think I got that right. For the leader to turn around and say, you know, I don't, I don't think I got that right, um, and that is something that will be carried in me. And but she then went on to go, I was acting on the information I had. It's a, it was a really complex thing. I'm sorry, but and it kind of that spoke to me, and I was like, you know what, that is someone who's honest because when this whole thing started, nobody had any idea, but people pretend they did. And that was dangerous. That was scary because you thought, oh, they've got on control. under control. And the next thing you knew, you were in a lockdown or people that you knew and loved would die and it was like, oh, fuck, what's going on? Whereas she's, from the start, has been like, this is the kind of the information I've got. This is what I'm acting on. I'm doing this. Is, and blah, blah, blah. And whenever she's kind of maybe a hiccup or a step down, she, she played a blinder throughout the whole thing. Now people are starting to get a little bit f- frustrated just because I think it's gone on a bit too long. People have had a, a taste of freedom and now it's starting to get stripped away and it's like oh, i think she's damned if she does and she's damned if she doesn't but she's done the best and i genuinely 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 believe that she and to the greater extent the scottish national party do have the best interest of the scottish people and probably those abroad because they've got a very progressive like immigration policy and stuff like that I think, they care about people. They they know why they're there. They want to do right by the people that live in their border.
0: So I guess Cameron's next vote in the next election goes to the Scottish National Party. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to Conservative. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> well, everyone's entitled to any opinion. I think that's something I want to. I want my podcast to be about as well. Just let people speak and not, I mean, I can disagree or agree, but they just let people have the right to freedom of speech, which is obviously very important. Absolutely. A few things that you said there, which was really interesting. First off, yeah, I agree. I mean, some people might want to start a movement and they do start a movement, but at least voice your disconsent. I mean, voice your opinion over something mean speak your truth. I think that's really important. But I also think that if your truth is being opposed, and that opposition actually have enough facts, so your truth is essentially rendered useless. I think you should, as a human being, change that truth and be like, "Okay, I was probably wrong." Like, don't stick with a truth that's been empirically. With empirical evidence over and over uh, proven to be wrong. Which I guess leads into what you just said about Sturgeon. I mean, yeah, you don't really hear politicians saying they were wrong. That's a very rare occurrence. I mean, look at Sweden. Like, dude, these guys, (laughs) for the last like 20 years, they, I mean, they sometimes stretch themselves to say, "Yeah, we were a bit naive. Really, you were a bit naive. That's the same mantra you said like so many times." <laughs> and bear in mind, it doesn't matter. This doesn't, and this doesn't matter if you're on the right, left, or in the center. Like same stuff, same excuses. But actually, stand up and say that, yeah, that you're gonna wear that. You're gonna wear uh, whatever happened, and you were wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I have to give her some points for that. I mean, I haven't heard it, but if that's correct, I mean, I trust you. So, yeah, that's quite mm-hmm. admirable. Admirable in a way, I suppose. Yeah, uh,
1: I, I've got a lot of respect, uh, um, more so than previous leaders of the SNP. To be to be absolutely honest, I wasn't a huge fan of uh, Alex Salmond, um, and th- and that party's like the reason they exist. They're Raisin Dectra, or raison whatever you call it uh, which is for um scottish independence that's not something that i necessarily fully believe i think for the reasons of i think uh, accepting people for who they are and everything putting up borders is not necessarily the solution to anything i think that you know having more open and, and friendly pardon me uh, uh forums i guess or just a free movement of people is a good thing um, in a lot of instances, probably unmanageable, probably not realistic, but certainly um, the free movement of conversation and ideas, a lot harder with borders and a lot harder with nationalism, I don't necessarily agree with. And I think it causes more animosity, particularly for a country like Britain, where you are so logically similar. You know, you're not. you. You're not vastly different. Uh, there are things that are different. and things that frustrate, for the most part, you know, you became a country together for a reason. And ultimately, we're a wee island. Uh, we, obviously, for the the listeners that aren't Scottish, means small, small island. Um, that um, you know, like, there's no need to be for this infighting. I think, but at the same time, you do quite clearly have. Um, a government and this is my opinion I, I'm very fortunate to have a friend like yourself that will listen to me whether or not you agree or that will that will help maybe like let people listen to this opinion but and obviously as you say people are bound for their opinion but I get the opinion when you look at the other side, you look at the English side of the, the kind of political spectrum the, the Conservative government which I'm being voted in by the English people, not by the Scottish people but by the English people they don't care about people i mean i'm not sure if you've been following the news about the school meals here um but you know obviously what's going on um and then there's certainly a spotlight it'd be an easy win for the conservative government just to be like well give it they just don't give a fuck, and they're handing um contracts to them to their mates for the, the whole track and trace was done by a company that had no idea what they were doing but was like had a had some affiliation uh Bojo Boris Johnson, and they've spent I think they had spent like like half a billion explaining where they went wrong and all that kind of stuff and it was just it's been a travesty and that is kind of the the side that it, it, it's just lying and saying that they're going to do all this and not living up to it it frustrates me, and that is what I think pushes a lot of the, So that element of the SNP I don't agree with, but they're very forward-thinking in a lot of other aspects in the environmental movements. And I genuinely believe they care about the Scottish people.
0: Fair enough, but what I mean what I really genuinely get tired of when it comes to politics, because I honestly think that you can look at a country and you can you can look at what's good or what's bad, I think, quite objectively. And maybe how you reach those uh, conclusions is going to differ. But you can back it up with facts. I mean, you can back up, OK, okay. so in, uh, in this county, so and so many people, like, children live under the poverty line. So and so many, uh, like, drug, uh, drug addicts uh, dies per 1,000 people, like a million people. Okay, so and so many people have mental illnesses. I mean, according to statistics, and then obviously there's there's a lot of people that probably have mental illnesses that are not logged in statistics. And I'm not saying statistics are foolproof, but my point is that I think there's ways of looking at the country and bringing in experts. There are no one's going to ever going to be objective. Everyone's going to have some sort of bias, but I think there's a possibility for polit- politicians on competing party lines just go to come together and sit down and say okay how are we going to try to solve this housing crisis or how are we going to try to solve this problem with the drug addicts in this certain region or how are we going to try to solve this problem with uh, <clears throat> like rising crime and so on and so forth but instead of are just throwing dirt at each other trying to gain political points obviously having different medias supporting either either cause and then as a general voter just sitting there like okay here we go again i'm just gonna grab my popcorn and i lean back and i'm gonna get annoyed <laughs>
1: it, yeah it is i mean partisanship is one of the kind of the it's the devil really and, it, and the fact that people will follow and it is that whole following it blindly and aren't willing to um refute anything that isn't shown to them and obviously social media has uh f- thrown fuel on those flames because they allow you to live in your own biases and that I mean it's, it's horrendous because you are thrown information I've actually got a good app and I think you'll love it Johan and it's called Groundwork again I don't believe it's a sponsor of yours but um it's a groundwork it's a news app right so I'll show you a story it's particularly good for the U.S. election and I really like it because see if I can get one up for you basically it's called Grind App? Ground News it's called Ground News and so this is uh, an election it shows you an individual story and all its coverage so I'm not sure if you can see that there but it shows you the coverage that it's gotten from all of the individuals so it goes left uh, center right so it shows you the perspective that, that each one's come from, uh, each story, and you can move through each of the individual news outlets. So, for example, this story, let's find it. You've got not got that many coverage, but uh, let's find. So, for example, this one is overwhelmingly sixty-one percent of the news outlets focused on this app are left leaning. So then you can look at that and say, all right, okay, well this is, has been told from a left perspective. And then there's one at the end there by the Washington Examiner, and you can read their take on it. Love it. I think that's amazing. amazing thing. It allows you to see kind of the whole picture of my story, or at least the picture that people want to see, and it gives you all that element. Whereas that, that I, I've got my way to do that because I like challenging my biases. I, I listen to audiobooks. and follow a variety of YouTube channels and stuff that are anti-climate change, or they are... Deny the fact that climate change is going on. I think that's such an important thing, an important thing to do is to, for, for me, f- firstly, because I might go to engagement. So I need to see about all the arguments that are going kind to of throw my way, but, but also for my own like, pride or ego. I don't want to be screaming and shouting from the rooftops that this is right, only to have someone turn around and make me look like a fool, or make me say, oh, well, that's obviously not the case, or in 10 years' time, it'll be with my kind of political affiliations to an extent you know all the things I try not say things that aren't kind of reasoned and grounded so I think yeah partisanship as you said you said it happens in the, the Swedish um, parliament uh, or I'm not sure I'm sure it's a parliament that you guys have I'm not sure but um, you're thrown out at your opposition rather than embracing what's around you they're allowed to do that because of their kind of their people's unconfirmed biases they're allowed to do that because they know that only the sound bits that make them look good are going to be shown to their supporters so they can get voted back in if, they, if they've got the majority already it's so hard it's so difficult it takes individuals to really push through it takes huge marketing efforts it's a huge amount of work to break through that algorithm and say well hold on a minute what you're getting told here is fake news and there are things coming forward that are helping for example the app and people realizing that and being screamed and shouted at saying you are living in a bias right now but it is difficult and it, like politicians and and businesses and everyone they've not been given an incentive to change so why should why would they if, if they're getting away with it and they're winning and they're doing why would they change
0: yeah, but I mean, essentially they have to lead, they are lead. They're supposed to be the leaders of people, right, and if they are stating a bad example, and again, I'm not blaming any side, I can say left, right, center, north, south, whatever, I mean, they're supposed to lead the people, but if they lead with bad example, I mean, how can people trust them, but at the same time, people below them, I mean, I don't say I'm not gonna say beneath them, but people under them, like people like me, right? It's so easy to get sucked into partisanship because first off, it's a very easy solution. It's an easy way out, right? You don't have to think. You can just go off. Go, go, I mean, you can just go about your daily business. Okay, I always been voting for the same party, and my mom did it, my dad did it. So I'm just gonna keep doing it because it's easy. But it's, and it's really hard to try to look to put yourself in this other person in a different person's shoe and try to see their perspectives. That's fucking hard. It's really hard, but it's obviously very useful. I try to do it. I fail quite oftenly, but I've decided to become better at it. So maybe small steps and one step forward, one step back, and two steps forward, two steps back, and maybe I take one step forward, no step back. (laughs) But also, and to expand on that, um, and it's really uh, tough to admit you're wrong because obviously we have this thing called the ego right and if you admit you're wrong like you some people i guess think that it's going to shatter who they are because they don't they they don't stay true anymore but in fact when you actually are willing to change that's me that's showing to the world that you're a thinking person and that that you can think and that you're willing to admit that you were wrong and you're willing to see new facts and Move on with your life instead of just standing there trying to guard something that you probably know deep inside is not true anymore.
1: I don't think I, I, I think that even the most um, stubborn of people they won't if they if they know they don't that, that something isn't true. I don't think they'll defend that. I don't think they'll defend defend stuff that that, that has been proven untrue, but. I do think that people fool themselves into believing things that for you and I, for example, might think are absolutely ludicrous or untrue, but there's enough information, false information, or enough takes on information to make whatever that individual believes to be true, true. True to them, at least. And, you know, it is a case of maybe people don't need to be right or wrong. They Just need to know about the other side, and that maybe is enough. Maybe it's enough just to be caring or empathetic enough towards it, and maybe understanding instead of I'm guilty of it, I am very, very guilty of it, and I, I do try and I do try my best to understand it, much like yourself. Two steps forward, one step back. But why would you vote for this person? Why would you think that it's difficult? It is difficult, but those people I do genuinely believe genuinely believe what they're saying and what they believe. I don't think they're holding on to it out of ego, or there will be some people, but I I would say the majority of people that are holding these, views, particularly the ones that are vocal about it, believe, 100% believe. They're saying it because they don't want to be proven wrong, or
0: aren't they saying it because, yeah, I think they do genuinely believe it. I think it, I think it's such a broad spectrum of things that, obviously, I don't think anyone, I mean, I think some people might be blatantly lying, but I think the majority of people that I said knew, know they might be wrong. Obviously, I don't think they're blatantly lying, but they might know inside, deep inside that this might not be true, but not, they're not willing to challenge that idea because they've been so invested in it for so long. I mean, when you've been investing so much and you have friends who think the same and you've been repeating the same mantras for years and years and years, then I think it's quite hard to change. And I know it personally. I mean, yeah, I probably hold on to certain things that I shouldn't hold on to just because of my ego. I mean, I might need to go and take some psychedelic mushroom to figure out what those things are. But I'm certain there is things in there that I should be better off trying to look at from different perspectives but I think yeah dude. I think there's some I mean I think there's so many ways of attacking this and obviously this is such a broad thing because now we're just talking in general terms about anything really about mm-hmm. yeah any sort yeah. of sort of sorts of beliefs people might have and that's quite a big topic
1: mm-hmm. I think uh, you you touched on it briefly with your mushrooms I'm not sure if you've spoken to any of your previous guests about the the weekend trip that you did but something I really want to hear about so hopefully you can tell me about how that how that went and what it was like and what you saw and how it all went down
0: am I really gonna put it out there in the podcast
1: I mean you can edit it out if you like but I really want to hear how how it went (laughs) <laughs> I, and, but, and uh, it's, it's, I, it's, it's truthful and it's honest and it is your truth and it is something that you did and you can, you can decide if you want to put that out there but I think you should
0: no I was just kidding man of course uh, <laughs> since you asked so politely and like you know I can't say no to your pretty face <laughs> so yeah so a few weeks back I went on a retreat let's call it. So the retreat was essentially held by a a woman from Peru. And her, so she was a shaman. And she held it together with her shaman mate from Australia, this like classic brash Australian dude in his 50s. And then they had maybe four or five helpers. So me and 10 other people went to this retreat together to do some ayahuasca ceremonies two in fact and then a third ceremony which was the san pedro ceremony which is a cactus and a fourth they had a fourth optional ceremony which was the holy Children ceremony and that was a mushroom ceremony and so yeah they they asked us to do like a diet before, so it like cleansed our body. So no meat, no alcohol, no caffeine, no sex. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff they asked us to remove. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we went, so we went um, there. The whole sort of, the, all four ceremonies were held in this like dance room, like a big, big, I would say a big, a big hall. And we also slept on a tiny mattress in that hall, so we were sleeping in that hall and we were essentially tripping in that hall. Yeah, that was sort of the. Um,
1: did Did you have any like um, kind of experience, whether it be existential, whether it be, did did would it change? Talk like what what did you take away from it, and what what was the kind of highlight?
0: Uh. Oh no, dude, I do. They had some, uh, had some pretty existential uh, visions and insights for sure. Some of the highlights that there are a lot of people willing to change out there, and there, and when you meet those people together in sort of a confined space, because face it, I mean, one house on the countryside for like four days is quite confined there's a lot of power and energy to that you know there's a lot of healing there's a lot of laughter there's some sadness but there is something goes goes around in that sort of environment that you don't really experience in many other places in your life it's quite there's something there's some there's positivity and there's like acceleration and there's fear and there's excitement and there's trauma and there's you know every sort of emotion involved and then you sort of Put those pieces together into like this huge, like energetic ball, which like implodes during the sessions or like ceremonies. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does.
1: And did you did you see anything? Were there visions? Because I know, like from experience out of being the, uh, your shepherd, uh, I know you're a visual. Um, you, you see things very visually. You've got an overactive. Um, Visual stimulus when you're taking these kind of things? Did you see anything that kind of freaked you out on it? And did you have any kind of freak out? So it was all quite grounded and quite
0: nice. Uh, the first three days were grounded. So the first ayahuasca ceremony is in the San Pedro. I did see a lot of stuff during the second ayahuasca ceremony. Essentially, I was talking to my, my granddad. I saw him and I heard his voice, and it was very vivid. And we were talking a bit like saying goodbye and stuff wow and then i saw a bunch of other things then asking the voice inside my head which i thought was the mother ayahuasca i mean i knew it was me but it didn't really sounded like me but it did sound like me but i was <laughs> i don't really know what was going on right <laughs> and i was asking asking it or me or i or whatever it was uh, do you have any please show me my greatest fears and I got this reply you don't have any fears (laughs) (laughs) but I knew from the moment I got there because I was I was not about to take the mushrooms because I was afraid of mushrooms because I knew that okay am I gonna lay on this bed for like six hours and trip on mushrooms and I know how intense mushroom can be right And I knew specifically that we couldn't leave our mattress, so when you were lying there in the darkness with like with your eyes covered. You were not allowed to leave. And that freaked me out so much. Because I'm a very intense person I need like I need to go out, I need to move and go and like sort of do things. But yeah I decided yeah. I said that mushroom was optional I mean it was optional for me because I I decided not to do it but then on the third day I just knew intuitively I had to stay I had to go through with this whole thing and that was <laughs> a roller coaster the last night and
1: did it did you find it healing did you find it did you come away a new person did you come away with any new insights or
0: yeah i think i think i think that to become a new person that's so that's so far-fetched right it's like there's too much going on that just mm-hmm. become a new person but i mean obviously yeah i met a lot of new insights definitely definitely i mean both from the sermons, but also from talking to other people and like hearing their stories and experiences and tips and pointers and stuff awesome. And obviously like the whole setup with like, you don't eat very much and you sleep so-and-so and and you like, you take the strong like natural medicines, which for people out there who haven't done it, they are quite strong. Like it's not like a pencil, like penicillin or, it's just pretty strong. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, so, but I think the whole, the hardest part of it all is to integrate whatever you see and feel and and get, get, teach and stuff into daily life. So I'm doing this, I guess I'm still on the integration phase. I think this could, could be something we can talk about for so long, man, but I think I need to shoot off.
1: Shoot off, yeah, no bother.
0: It was a pleasure having you here, man.
1: Thank you, no, it was, it was good, it was really good. I enjoyed, it. I was saying like, uh, when we kind of first, before during the technical issues, had a bit of a rubbish day today, but you, speaking to you, always going to listen up, it's always good.
0: Yeah, no, the same to you, man. Uh, I I needed to see your smiley face as well. And it's a, sh- a bit of a shame that the internet was lagging today, but I think after the edit, I think it would be a fine final product anyway, anyway so
1: hopefully well do you know what? if it's not then we'll just have to do it again
0: oh we will definitely do it again though
1: <laughs> but you know when this is all over this kind of coronavirus stuff and actually it didn't feature too much in this which i think is quite good but um once it's all kind of over we can actually see each other maybe we can record one face to face in an actual brew dog maybe
0: Ooh. Yeah, I need to get another mic, but I will definitely be down for a product, something like that, for sure. Thank you, buddy. I
1: can get that Blue (laughs) Dogs